This is BT Techno, a regular podcast series for financial advisors wanting to remain at the forefront of strategy, regulatory and industry news. Hello and welcome to this week's BT Techno podcast. My name is Tim Howard, technical consultant in the BT Technical Services team. It's great to be with you today and off the back of the BT Technical webinar I ran earlier this week where we reviewed some of the more common questions and themes coming into our team from advisors this year. If you are interested but missed this week's webcast, you can still watch on demand, including all of our previous 40 episodes via bt.com.au forward slash professional and then following the links to the BT Academy landing page. What I wanted to do today is to take you through some of the more common questions we received through the Q&A panel during the live event. It's always great to receive questions live and while I always endeavour to answer them as we go, sometimes you can't reach all of the questions on the day. And other times the questions are so good that they might be worth reviewing in a little bit more detail like we will do today. Around themes, around the questions that we received, primarily contributions, contribution strategies and some upcoming changes in this space. Look at contributions first of all, one question we had was around does an excess contribution need to be withdrawn from super or can it remain? In short, the answer to this is no, it doesn't need to be withdrawn, but there's a number of good reasons why you might want to withdraw a contribution, an excess contribution. If we look at concessional contributions first, if we don't withdraw our excess concessional contribution, it is going to count towards our non-concessional contribution cap. Now, that might not be a problem for clients who have non-concessional cap space available, but if you're looking to maximise contributions, maximise bring forwards, and want to be aware of what counts towards what cap, it tends to be prudent to withdraw any excess concessional and then make a very clean and clear non-concessional contribution in its own right uh, up to an amount that you are choosing to put in. If we look at our non-concessional contributions, if we don't nominate to withdraw our non-concessional contribution, uh, in fact, if we nominate to leave it in there, it's the inverse is actually what we need to do, then that excess contribution, when it stays in super, is actually taxed at the top marginal rate. Very few reasons why you'd want to do that. Not many come to mind when I think about that. Um, so whilst we can, to answer the question, whilst we can leave uh, excess contributions in super, a lot of reasons in my view why you'd want to take them out. Similar to that question, it kind of expanded a little bit further. We had a follow-up question uh, that actually asked if the client has exhausted their concessional and non-concessional contribution cap, are the contributions automatically returned to them? Now, this answer differs a little bit between concessional and non-concessional. If we take the concessional contributions first, the answer is no. Uh, excess concessional contributions are automatically assessed in the first instance at your marginal tax rate and you will pay tax on them along with uh, any other income you might have generated in the current year. Now, when you do pay tax on that excess, uh, the 15% tax uh, paid on that contribution, uh, when it's accessible to the super fund, is taken into account. Um, so you do get a tax credit for, for that. What you'll get, you will get a notice of assessment or if you've already lodged your, your personal income tax matters for that year, an amended notice of assessment that actually reflects this excess concessional contribution um, you know, being assessed and, and being taxed in your own hands. Now, you'll also get an excess concessional contribution determination, and that determination will give you the choice to either 
leave the excess contribution in super, and if you don't respond to this notice within 60 days, that's what will happen. If you do respond to this notice within 60 days, you can actually nominate to have this excess withdrawn. When we have it withdrawn, like the previous question, it then won't count towards our non-concessional cap, and if we leave it in there, it will. If we look at non-concessional contributions, uh, yes, non-concessional contributions would be automatically refunded to us if we didn't re uh, respond to an excess non-concessional contribution notice. This is a change that came in a few years ago now just to avoid the complications of people either not receiving their excess notice, not realising it's come in, being overseas, uh, whatever it happens to be, and ending up paying tax at the top marginal rate on their excess uh, NCC. Now, when you get this excess non-concessional contribution determination, um, like I said, you'll have 60 days to respond to it. You'll effectively have two options on this notice. The first one being uh, nominating to release the entire amount um, plus the associated earnings or up to 85% of the associated earnings on that amount with the associated earnings being taxed at your marginal tax rate. Now this associated earnings component is there to represent um, effectively a notional return that you may or may not have received um, on that money, that excess contribution being in this uh, concessionally taxed environment of superannuation. That's option one. As I said, if you don't respond to the notice, option one will be selected by default and the ATO will uh, send a release authority for the excess NCC to the trustee of your super fund. Now, option two, you can nominate uh, to leave that amount in there. And as we addressed in the previous question, the entire amount will be taxed at the top marginal rate uh, of 47% and that will be paid um, from the balance, from the excess contribution uh, in your super fund. One of the things we talked about in the session was around some contribution strategies, particularly talking to the ability uh, to carry forward unused concessional contributions. Whilst we just did touch on that lightly, episode 39 of the technical webcast series, um, technical webinar series, talks to great depth. Matt ran a great session on this, um, which you can go and view on demand um, around some of the strategies you can implement uh, with the carry forward concessional contributions. But we did get a question on this where an audience member asked, is there an easy way for an individual um, to understand what is available under their carry forward concessional contribution cap? And the answer is there's yes. We really want to make sure we get this information, what carry forward cap space they have available from the ATO. So the ATO keeps a record of uh, an individual's contributions over the you know, previous financial years. It, it reports that. Super funds need to report to the ATO for excess contribution purposes, etc. So you can get a carry-forward concessional report from the ATO via the client's MyGov, so getting them to log in. Go to the ATO profile, uh, linked, linked to their MyGov profile, uh, go under superannuation, more information, carry forward concessional contributions, and it will tell you what's available there. Alternatively, if you are the tax agent for the client or you have a relationship with the tax agent, the tax agent can also get that information from the tax agent portal. Uh, that's going to be useful if you're looking to re recommend one of these types of contributions uh, as it will give you a clear picture of how much cap space they have left. Um, and then you can also obviously get their total superannuation balance um, this way as well because we need to make sure we've got less than 500000 in super 
as at the previous 30 June to be eligible to carry forward any of our concessional contributions. So no change on that. That That is still the, the only two ways we can access this information has been for uh, quite a period of time now. I know advisors that I speak to uh, quite regularly uh, are hopeful that one day advisors themselves can get, get permission or get logins to see this uh, when they are providing advice, but at this stage it looks like yeah, something we'll need the client to continue to provide us with before we can provide the advice. Uh, another question came through just around um, the work test, the work test exemption, and what it means for clients between age 67 through to 74 uh, who at least this financial year uh, need to make sure that they meet the work test uh, before making a contribution to super. question we has was in relation to the work test and the work test exemption, I'm still confused on this. For example, can a 69-year-old who retired in March 2021 still contribute this financial year? Well, anyone who's age 69 this financial year uh, will need to have met the work test in order to make a contribution because they're aged or over the age of 67. Um, but seeing this client on this information did meet the work test last financial year, uh, it's possible that they could make a contribution using the work test exemption this financial year uh, if they meet the eligibility criteria for this exemption. So this exemption allows someone who met the work test last financial year, fails it in the current financial year, hasn't used this exemption before and has less than 300000 uh, as their total super balance as at the 30th of June of the previous financial year, um, the ability to make a contribution without needing to meet the work test. Now, that's an important point from a contribution eligibility point of view, but it's also important to remember that their contribution cap space is a separate yet important issue that we'd need to then visit to work out how much they could contribute um, when using this exemption to contribute in the first instance. This, of course, fed in nicely to some of the upcoming changes we're expecting from 1 July 2022. These are changes that were announced in the federal budget this year. Uh, they are changes that are currently before Parliament and are looking to be introduced from next financial year. So the question is, do you think with the work test being dropped for 1 July 2022 uh, that they will allow the bring forward to apply for eligible individuals um, from then also? So this question has picked up uh, rightly so that from 1 July 2022, the work test will no longer apply for non-concessional contributions and salary sacrifice contributions. Uh, instead, it will only apply uh, for personal deductible contributions. So if someone wants to make a concessional contribution and claim a deduction, they'll still need to meet the work test uh, going forward. And if they want to put in a non-concessional uh, right up to age 74, looking like the work test will not be a requirement to do that. Uh, now, how that has come about is that the proposed legislation, the legislation in Parliament at the moment, uh, is looking at moving the uh, the work test requirement, the, the um, declaration that you've met the work test, from the superannuation regulations, from the CIS regs, uh, over to the Income Tax Act. So you would be uh, completing it over on the Income Tax Act side. Uh, so you'd effectively be making that declaration when you claim the deduction. Now, alongside of this, this was alluded to in, in the budget um, earlier this year, 
that this exemption will also allow people to trigger the bring forward. Uh, we weren't sure about this, but now the legislation has uh, been presented, um, the proposed legislation. We've actually picked up that an individual will be able to trigger the bring forward if they're aged less than 75 on 1 July rather than uh, less than 67 uh, on 1 July in any particular financial year. So this has opened up the opportunity not only for um, retired or soon to be retired individuals between 67 through to uh, 74 to be able to make non-concessionals without meeting the work test, but also to be able to trigger the bring forward uh, contribution as well um, without having to meet the work test obviously too. So there's a few contribution opportunities coming into next year. Nothing's legislated yet, uh, still proposed, still in Parliament, uh, but looking forward to some new contribution opportunities for your clients moving forward. We'll continue to monitor this. Uh, we'll continue to talk about it in our podcast, talk about it in our technical webinars as opportunities do develop for you. So stay tuned uh, for all of that. Uh, to keep you up to date, as I've said, with key issues like these, any other technical or regulatory matters, join us for our BT technical webinar series every fortnight on a Wednesday. Our next session is scheduled for Wednesday, the 15th of December, 2021, where Brian Ashenden, Head of Financial Literacy and Advocacy here at BT, will be presenting on the topic of I Can See a New Horizon. Uh, in this session, the question of what lies ahead in 2022 and beyond will be covered. Brian will look back at some of the recent regulatory changes in areas of financial advice, but also set the scene for what's on the horizon from potential changes to the Code of Ethics, the wind-up of FASIA, to the Quality Advice Review Federal Election and 2022 Federal Budget. As I mentioned up front, to register for this web webinar, simply head to bt.com.au forward slash professional and follow the links to the BT Academy webinar series. As mentioned, you can also view previous webinars and all our sessions are certified for CPD points. And as always, remember, if you have any technical advice, strategy-related questions, you can call our BT Technical Services team on 1-800-655-901 or send us an email at technical at btfinancialgroup.com. Until next time, thanks for joining me today and bye for now. BT Tech knows, and now you know. Join us next time to keep ahead of the curve for strategy, regulatory and industry news. This podcast has been developed for financial advisor use only and provides general information only. It does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations or needs.